0: I mean, we're definitely workaholics. Like it'd be, it'd be hard to say um, we're not. But I think we're really good at holding mm. each other accountable to having boundaries. And like, you always tell me to stop working, and I think oh, I, I don't even
1: stop. I just walk over and push a laptop close. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been known to go through. We're (laughs) sitting on the couch because we have access to each other's calendars. I've been known to just go through her calendar and delete all of her (laughs) events for the next day. Without
0: telling me or the people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, welcome back to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. This week, we're sitting down in person on Woi Run Country in the old Willow Factory, if you remember those blue eskies. These two founders, Julia and Jordy Kay, husband and wife combo, absolute gun entrepreneurs and just two awesome and fun people that I've just loved sitting down with them for a few hours and getting to know a bit about them, a bit about their business and the products which they're doing and really understanding what's driving them. Their story started, the two of them met at a pub in Fitzroy in Melbourne. They threw around plenty of business ideas together. They reckon over a bottle of wine you can pretty quickly work out if an idea is going to stick or not but this one has and it's going gangbusters. Their business is called Great Rap. It's basically a plant-based cling wrap. So think of what you use in the home covering meals. It's made from a potato waste and they're diverting what would be otherwise plastics that go into landfill that we only use once. They're making this a compostable cling wrap, which is just truly actually extraordinary. And Julia, she was a architect designing homes and everything that she was bringing in was being wrapped in plastic and she just, just didn't sit right with her. So... She met Geordie. He was an organic winemaker living out in the bush down in southwest Victoria. And the two of them started throwing these ideas around and bang, have they got a product. So I hope you guys enjoy the chat. Geordie joins us for the first half. Fascinating. Check out our socials at humansofagriculture with an underscore or our YouTube. And you can see us sitting down with them for a bit of a yarn. Just absolutely love this one. So I hope you guys enjoy it. So tell me the the road... For you guys, and I'm interested because an architect meets a winemaker, all of a sudden you create a packaging company and the end of the story basically. But um, for you guys, Julia and Jordy, where did the journey start for you guys, the interests, I guess, in, in food and... For, for you, probably Julia, starting off with architecture, what drew you down that path?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, um, you know, I always wanted to be an architect. I thought the world of design was um, really fascinating. You know, like essentially your full-time job is to solve problems and, and make the world a better place. Um, so, you know, I was able to work on amazing projects um, internationally and um, work on like unis and art galleries and things like that. Um, and in doing that I actually started to learn a lot about construction materials and the way things are actually put together um, and began to you know obsess over (laughs) what what we were building from um and saw just like a huge amount I guess of like yeah technology and the material sort of innovation space um and then you know I think I saw and you know likewise with Geordie I saw a huge opportunity um I guess in like the petroleum-based plastic space I mean you know it would be like I would yeah, be building sort of low carbon embodied buildings and I would have spent a lot of time specifying these products and then they would, yeah, like arrive wrapped in this sort of product that existed the same as it had since like the 50s and it just didn't seem to make sense to me. So I guess um, I was always like super fascinated with reinventing like our material palette um, and I think, you know, that was something mutual that Geordie and I kind of <laughs> – uncovered in the process of trying a few business ideas <laughs> for sure.
2: Where do you reckon that the purpose piece? Like you you went down the architect architecture path chasing a career of purpose. Yeah. Where did that come from?
0: Well, I think you know like space is so important to everyone's experience of everyday life. I mean, you know, like the space you're in right now affects your mood, affects your thinking, has the capacity to inspire or you know, the opposite. So I think um, the idea of architecture and, like, designing a new type of city for me was incredibly exciting. I was, like, trying new ways of um, designing education buildings and seeing the outcomes and testing how that affects humanity was, I guess, what really excited me. Um, And then, you know, like, it is an amazing, amazing career. I um, I think it felt like there was obviously, like, this immediate sort of climate problem that um i probably wasn't doing enough about in the in the immediate and um felt like i'd seen a lot happening in the material space and like probably just needed to bring those two t- two together so yeah
2: that's cool it's um look, very worldly and ambitious I love what you're talking about
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah i guess so
2: <laughs> and I re- well I, and i reckon like so many people think that way but then the people that are willing to take action and kind of lead that way like that's it's a big and daunting leap to be like actually I'm just Ollie and this is what I want to do though like it's
0: Mm, yeah well I think that's great um the great part about meeting um Geordie and like I think power of two really does work
2: (laughs) so tell me Geordie where where you started you studied agriculture science and yeah
1: and majored in But I I never finished it, so I always feel bad when I say I did it because I'm like, well, I started it. uh, And then I got halfway through it and was like, I I would be way happier running my own business. I loved doing it, um, but I was just working um, for a really cool winemaker and having a lot of fun um, at the time. And then um, I – yeah, like for me, I was always using sort of regenerative farming techniques, farming biodynamically, organically – Um, I don't know. I always loved just the way you could use plants to create products. I just have always been fascinated in that sort of space. Um, And so, yeah, I I don't know. I was just using, like, just creating fun sort of compost, go forage for kelp and other products and um, ferment them and create different sort of sprays. Um, I was using a lot of um, plants that were native to the Otway Ranges where my farm was and Um, that were nitrogen um, fixing and put carbon back into the soil, just really into how you could create new products and always buying, um, I don't know, I was always buying new fungicides that were made from like cacti or, you know, like I was just really into what you could do with plants. And then, um, yeah, when we sort of started speaking about Great wrap, it was just, as Julie said, like this opportunity to solve a massive problem um, which was pallet wrap, and it's used by everyone. Every product in the world is literally wrapped on a pallet at some point in its life, and it's like, well, if we could make that from plants, like, how could would that be? Um, and that was kind of just like, yeah, the catalyst for, I don't know, us now sitting in an eleven thousand square meter factory, <laughs> <laughs> wondering what we've done to get here.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
1: and you're
2: definitely the scientist, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, we definitely share responsibility. I. I Love it. I love that sort of side of it. Um the science and engineering side. I think it's really, really fun um to see how like temperatures and speeds and screw designs, how they can interact with certain biopolymers and um yeah, I love it. It's it's so much fun. Um so we were lucky enough to engage Monash pretty early on from when we started um and have got to spend a lot of time in the lab with them and and like work with the team there and have learned a hell of a lot um and I don't know probably have, I feel like we've done three different university degrees each in the last two years just by working with them and other contractors and engineers and stuff
2: so tell me you guys mentioned there was a couple of other startup ideas before you landed on this one were they all interrelated similar vastly different
0: Oh, we had – Had some shockers. We had some (laughs) – Well, they were all sort of connected to like food and wine, I think. You know, like – And there was, yeah, like Jordi says, a lot of flops. Like we actually, um, you know, had like a food and wine event that kind of I only realised I was involved in at like the end of the night when Jordi was like, yeah, we we had an event. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't – like. Didn't even realize that we had planned to host like this experiential dining experience <laughs> with like a deer, and um, but we had a cellar door for a while and a little sort of providor. Um, we've had a lot of other ideas that we haven't actually actioned as well. I wish we had a list because um, there'd be some pretty funny ones.
1: Yeah, it's very stupid ideas, but yeah, but definitely through <laughs> the lens
2: of food and wine um, has always been a big passion for us. So, how, how quickly did you guys kind of try something, work out if it worked or not, moved on? Usually, along that
1: path? I think I would, usually you could get to the end of an idea by the end of a bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could, over the period of drinking a bottle of wine, you could trial an idea, Google to see if someone's done it figure out that it was a terrible idea and move on. Um, have a
0: quick brand concept, uh, uh, <laughs> debunk yeah. the brand concept. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Actually, no, we don't want to do that. Because <laughs> it's terrible. like, it's like I think we love talking about heaps of fun ideas. But then to actually pursue something and, and do it, it's it's really hard because you're going to have to go through financial hardship. You're going to have to let people go. You're going to have people leave you. You're going to have to face constant rejection. Um, and I think when people think of a startup, they think of all the like, glorious thing bags stuff. and <laughs> yeah. football tables. Yeah. 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 Just thinking, <laughs> oh, this is going to be so cool. But the reality is it's like really, really hard a lot of the time. Um, and it's your job as a co-founder to carry the hard times on you and not let your team sort of feel them. So you're sort of almost taking a fair, you know, fair amount of the pain. And, um, so then I was lucky enough that I'd gone through that with, um, you know, my own wine label, um, so when it actually came time to be like, yeah, are we going to do this? It's like, am I willing to go through all of that pain and sh- hardship for, you know, what we believe in and the vision? And, and Great Rap really was the only thing where we both decided like, yeah, cool, I'm, I'm willing to like put everything on the line for, the, you know, this idea and, and pursue it.
0: Yeah, it's like I think for us it was like that impact piece really because, you know, often we'll talk about ideas and we'll be like, but I, you know, but I'm not actually – is this, like, something that I'm doing just because I enjoy it or is this going to sort of benefit the future world that we live in, I think? Um, because that's a really nice thing to be able to bring yourself back to at the end of a really hard day and go, no, like, this is a good thing.
2: So <laughs> on that, I'm interested. What have you guys given up in order to pursue kind of this dream?
0: Oh, like um, a few friends. Of, yeah, <laughs> definitely friends. No. Um, or not friends? I mean, you know, of course, like this is all-consuming. So, as as a friend, you do, um, you know, it's it's harder to not let people down. So, I think that's probably been a reality. Um, and I'm sure if any of our friends are listening, they'd be like, yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, what else? Sleep.
1: yeah i don't know i I actually to be i do like i'm probably a optimist as well and i I feel like what have i gained like the Mm -hmm. opposite of it and um i've gained a wealth of knowledge um you know like gained like our relationships only gotten stronger um i've learned how to deal with really really stressful situations but not but but remain calm Mm. um yeah i've learned a lot more about how the business works um and so yeah like i i definitely just like when i do reflect on the last few years and it's been you know really really, it's been a massive slog um i still look back and probably the first thing to think about is what have i gained and which is nice like and that's obviously i feel good Uh, i hope you feel the same
0: definitely i think (laughs) often like um you know we'll sort of reflect and just go oh my god I totally understand how the world works now and I think what we mean by that is or like for me personally I was really um obsessed with the world that I lived in which was like I guess the design world and um you know I wasn't particularly concerned with how you know a financial mechanism functions or how supply chain works and I think um we've being able to get this really holistic view um, that is just like you know, even if we were to go and start a new business tomorrow, like you can't unlearn that, which is really exciting and cool. Cool to do.
1: Yeah, I feel like if I used, when I, I used to read the newspaper, I'd flick to the world news section and then I'd flick to the nine letter word, and those were like my <laughs> the, t- the two <laughs> sections. Whereas now I feel like I can read the whole <laughs> newspaper and understand. Oh yeah, like I would never read finance yeah, or you know, exactly. like whereas it and you know. Um, sometimes I'd even skip the local news or whatever, but now I would read it all and go, "Oh yeah, yeah, I see where they're coming from." <laughs> <laughs> cover to cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, how did you two meet, and at what <laughs> stage did you start realizing you you've thrown a few ideas around over bottles of wine? Yeah, and then how quickly did great rap stick?
0: Yeah, so we, I think we like we knew of each other before we like officially met um, just based on Geordie being in the wine scene. One of my friends was having um wine party. So I was like, you know, knew um, and then we were at a pub in Fitzroy um, and I ordered a beer and Geordie was there. And I think, you know, three months after that, we had registered the name Great Wrap and already had like, tried out that dinner experience like it was all very fast wow (laughs) very turbo yeah yeah like most things we do (laughs) don't do it by heart no (laughs) we're
1: just having a lot of fun uh and yeah and you know we'd registered the name but it still took um, so long so long before we got like the worst crappiest prototype (laughs) and then it was another year until we had like a prototype that maybe looked like rap but still was questionable and um so it was you know it's a bit of a journey but um yeah so, and somewhere in that period we got married so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the milestones <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. wedding here somewhere yeah. <laughs> in, in between prototype one uh, and two yeah that's it much, <laughs> Tons, yeah.
1: times times just a bit of a blur with covid anyway um yeah. <laughs> forgot what happened to the last five years <laughs>
2: what's it like to work with your partner, business partner, partner, is it like, obviously it's awesome, but in terms of, are you guys just workaholics and don't do a whole lot else? What
1: do you think?
0: Oh, this is funny. <laughs> we actually get asked this a lot. It's okay. I have to be honest. I think when we're together, we're really good. So we, I was in the city last night. So we had a night apart, which we rarely have. And I worked later than I would have if I was at home. I think we're pretty good at. I mean we're definitely workaholics. Like it would be it would be hard to say um, we're not, but I think we're really good at holding each other accountable to having boundaries and like you always tell me to stop working and I think oh, I wouldn't even
1: stop. I just walk over and push a laptop close. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been known to go through we're sitting on the couch because we have access to each other's calendars. I've been known to just go through her calendar and delete all of her <laughs> events for the next day. <laughs> Without out.
0: telling me or the people. So.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a big, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, like I said before. like Investor meeting, delete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Delete, no. delete, delete, delete. <laughs> uh, no, like, you you like, you are absolutely useless to the business and to your team and to your investors if you're run down and – grumpy you know like you're useless um you're better off just staying at home for the day and turning off your emails so you've got to figure out a way to find that balance um I guess I was lucky enough yeah to have a business before this and um took myself to that level of burnout and um yeah you were just like nothing gets done like your presence is essentially a waste so it's like you've got to find that balance um because if you don't Um, you know things are going to start to buckle in the company around you and um, so yeah it's important sometimes to just go you know what I don't actually need to go to these meetings tomorrow I'm going to push them back a, a week and take the day off or you know, I don't know. Take the morning off and go for a swim and and get a coffee.
0: That said, I feel like I actually reschedule more meetings than you do. Like you're really good. You, yeah, <laughs> I'm actually. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I
1: still, I still like. I definitely cancelled one yesterday and went for a surf at lunchtime. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the balance. Yeah, yeah, it's you got to find it. It's yeah. really important.
0: It's it's also like I think when you when it's like a lot of pressure on you and the team that the team. This sounds – I don't know. Or you've got to set an example for the team and you don't want to burn the team out. And if, like, we worked until 10 o'clock every night and didn't take breaks, mm. I feel mm. like the team around us would, would think that was the expectation and, you, like, you don't want to essentially steal people's lives for, yeah. <laughs> nah, for your own business. You know, yeah. like, that's not really how um, – you know, I guess it's, like, a sustainable business in terms of product but also in terms of team and growth as yeah. well, I think –
1: I feel like like, even if I am doing email, if I have to do some emails after hours, I'll just hit schedule send for the next day in the morning so they're not receiving emails at night thinking I'm working late because, again, like as Julie said, you don't want to set that as an example, so... Yeah, I feel like we're pretty good. It was. It's definitely we're definitely working on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like
2: it's an interesting one, and and I guess I'm asking from a point of curiosity because the reason I was late was because I was like, shit, I just got to get this thing done, and then I was like, all of a sudden it's like, I haven't (laughs) done that, and then Uh, yeah, um, (laughs) like it's life. Yeah, but like it's a it's a whirlwind, like when totally, totally. Like for you guys back, if you go um, back a year or two, when it was just the two of you slogging away at this like what was that like that would have been manic wouldn't it
0: I feel like it was almost easier I don't know maybe not maybe I maybe you know how you look back on memories and everything's that like really bright and positive. <laughs> 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 I don't know I think um because yeah I don't know it feels like a snowball like it feels like the ball we were rolling around is a bit smaller yeah <laughs> and now it's just like getting bigger and bigger so what do you think
1: oh no I'm way happier now like um and less stressed because I think for me I had to figure out how to actually make the product and there was a big question mark on that for a long time. Yeah. I couldn't I was like we were there together but I just couldn't make rap and we were yeah, great called great rap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's right that's why we're in we have different opinions on this because Jody's making the product and I'm like okay how do we sell the product so now it's like my stress phase.
2: yeah now it's <laughs> the like, product's I'm, mad i've figured out how to make it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to this yeah. next turn <laughs> <laughs>
0: should, we, should we go to bali or
2: <laughs> <laughs> start shifting yeah 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 no. so
1: like I, I feel like now it's great like because we were running a really small extrusion line um that was pretty rudimentary and and the quality that you could make from that was really challenging to get something of good quality whereas now we've got this you know incredible machinery and some of the best technology in the southern hemisphere now sits in in our factory and and we're able to um create something of really really high quality and um yes i have a lot better sleeps now
2: that's cool i've got one more question on people because i want to get to the product before you have to yeah 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 in terms of so i loved how you guys put kind of your people first where you're thinking about your team and what's best for them Mm. what are some of the characteristics and how do you draw them into this vision that you guys have of being a global business that is fundamentally changing the world?
0: Mm. I think all of the team are really a lot like us in that they're um, really excitable people. So there's like a certain um, level of, I guess, effervescence about everyone. (laughs) Don't you think? Like everyone has their little thing that gets them like really excited. Mm. Like everyone's really passionate.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there we are just like we, the, the company is just so like everyone's. Those hats. Guys. Yeah, I know. I just sort of <laughs> pop, pop the hats on. <laughs> um,
0: we'll take <laughs> a selfie while you think about that answer.
1: Yeah, well, say the question again i will see if I can get a better
2: um, answer. So the, the characteristics of your team, but how do you get them into this? Like, Yeah, you want to be a global business that's changing the world. How do you get buy-in from your team?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest thing that we do that I think a lot of people tell us they don't usually get is that we get people to solve problems with us. And I know it sounds really stupid, but if there's a really big issue, we don't just get all the leaders into a room and say, all right, guys, this, this is the issue, what's blah, 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 blah. We'll get the whole team in and explain all of the different factors um, from, you know, the smallest things to the biggest things um and then take a vote and like we'll go around the room and everyone voices their opinions and so that way people like feel like they've been you know listened to and and they're a part of solving the problem together um whereas i find yeah
0: there's also like the elephant in the room of the fact that like what we're trying to solve is a really exciting problem <laughs> to solve yeah so it's like that that it, everyone does love being involved it. it's like everyone wants to get rid of yeah. plastic and make it out of food waste yeah. i mean like that's awesome yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i just love i think like yeah everyone loves that we, t- we always try and give the team just so much context for everything yeah so like we'll talk about the d- direction and vision of the company and we'll talk about it and give context of why we're thinking about that and then go I and mean, this is this is the vision these are our 12 month goals and so everyone just knows exactly what everyone else is thinking about and it's going on, so it makes being empathetic much easier. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I just like being like that with, you know, my mates um, is being empathetic and vulnerable and, and, you know, sharing stories. So I think it just makes sense to run a company like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you'd run a business in 2022 without doing that. I think, yeah. I think, I think <laughs> you'd be finding yeah. it hard. <laughs>
2: and uh, most of the staff, like our generation, millennials, Gen Zs, coming through?
0: Uh, we've got a good mix. Yeah, I think we're, yeah, yeah, we've got yeah, a we really got good good mix. Um,
2: people that have been working in the biopolymer
1: space for over twenty years, and, yeah, wow, um, and who have said, you know, um, they maybe like were nervous about joining a, a young startup because um, it was very different. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, so it's definitely like a strong mix of people. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, Jordi, we know you're running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people say. <and> yeah. <laughs> A question which I ask everyone on who comes on the podcast. So yeah, I'm going to ask course. you, you get the chance to go back to year 10 students and chat to them about uh, a career in agriculture, say the food and fiber mm-hmm. system. What would be your advice to them? Why should they consider it? Uh,
1: I think... Working again, for me, working with plants was the most exciting opportunity. I saw um, working in viticulture and making wine as a really cool and exciting creative form of agriculture. Um, the way you could manipulate plants to create different flavors was amazing. And, and so I always sort of saw um, kind of agriculture as this fascinating thing um, that is for me is, is creative and, and inspiring um and it's the future like everything we wear will be made from plants soon and and you know just what we eat and people just so concerned about nourishing their body rather than punishing it um it's just like lifestyles of the planet is moving in the right direction so i think it's going to evolve and and have just even more exciting technology so yeah that's that's why i'd get into it but
2: (laughs) no it's cool awesome
1: lovely well great For that. No, thank you. I'll see you guys in a bit. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank regional client council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community wellbeing and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision, and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community
2: fund. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Mm, it's a great question um, so I guess you know my journey in agriculture has been very different like for for your reference mm-hmm. like um, you know my family like grew up in the wheat belt it's a farming family my mum went on to start her own restaurant um, like food and food and where food comes from has always been a part of um, I guess me and my family but I think the really exciting thing about I guess food and agriculture is that it literally affects every single human being and animal on the planet. Like we all need to, you know, understand that ecosystem and and that needs to be functioning really, really well. So like there is absolutely no future in which thinking about agriculture and where our food is coming from doesn't exist. So um, the potential for growth there is just like so amazing. You can have the craziest idea and and make that work. Um, Yeah. I think that'd be my advice, because there's really no limits on what you could do, um, which is exciting for a year 10, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's like a fascinating space, isn't it? Because it's like people have always looked at agriculture as being farm gate. They don't think of it as being plant-based plastic products or like clothing to a lesser degree, but like the way things are moving, it's like.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you know, um, even now I'm like, is what we're doing connected to agriculture? And of course it is. Like we're collecting the food waste from um, potato producers, turning that into a product. Like it's very, um, you know, and there's so so many other products that are connected to just future tech, the the future material palette. So yeah, it's a really interesting space.
2: <laughs> it's yeah, it's fascinating, and that's the piece that like I'm trying to do. I'm trying to humanise. So bring it back to the person we're at both the consumer and kind of across the supply chain level so people can understand. Yeah. But then redefining agriculture to look at, well, anyone who's kind of positively influencing our world through food or fibre mm. is a human of agriculture.
0: That's cool. I love that. Yeah, it's funny because um, like we've had like a similar sort of journey with Great Wrap because we were like, how do we, um, you know, connect Like, not everyone knows what pallet wrap is. Like, unless you've worked in a warehouse, you're like, that product means nothing to me. And it was like, no, how do we make, like, everyday mums and dads understand what we're talking about here? And we were like, okay, every house has a kitchen. Everyone eats meals. Everyone, you know, like, it's something that you can really bring down to that home level and then you can see how that can scale out and affect industry. So that's a cool, that's a great journey to be talking about.
2: <laughs> well, and it, like it's funny because I, like, I was sitting – as I was driving here, I was thinking about – and I was like, I don't have a tangible product that I've got. Like I focus on kind of the stories yeah. piece. And it's like – see, I, when you see someone like what you guys do and you articulate yeah. it, which we'll get to in a second, but like when it's articulated, you're like, oh, yeah, that's so straightforward and easy to understand. And that's the bit in my head where I just keep like – the wheels keep turning.
0: Yeah. But your product is like – it's like the knowledge, I guess. Mm. Like, I mean, that's a product. That's just my, I might not be able to be held, but yeah, it's still product, still a product.
2: It is. um, <laughs> all right, back to yours. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you tell us, like, what is what is Great Wrap?
0: Yeah, so Great Wrap, great question, very important. Um, <laughs> great Wrap is it's a home compostable stretch wrap made from potato waste. Um, so we make cling wrap for home, we make catering wrap for restaurants and we make pallet wrap to wrap, you know, boxes in a warehouse so they don't fall off the back of a truck. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, we, I guess, have worked on a series of formulas. Um, we've currently been working at, we're working with Monash on developing a PHA, which is a polyhydroxant alkylate. <laughs> I think I got that right, um, which is a type of biopolymer which is not only – Home compostable but marine degradable as well. So, um, yeah, currently we're manufacturing a product that's home compostable but our our future product will be, you know, so if you drop it into the ocean it'll break down as well, which is obviously not what we'd suggest doing. But, um, yeah, it's a really exciting, exciting polymer and, you know, going to end our reliance on petroleum, which is really cool.
2: It's fascinating because I was listening to a podcast that you'd been on previously – And like the penny dropped where it was biodegradables and biodegradable means it just breaks down into more microplastics. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So I guess if you think about it, it's like, you know, um, (laughs) it's just less of a solid piece. So there's an additive that essentially just particles break up into smaller pieces (laughs) and dissipate. So they're not actually um, returning into our soils and, you know, returning carbon back into soils to, you know, help that process so yeah i mean biodegradable is a a challenging word because you know um we see it on a lot of products
2: well i thought it was a good like
0: yeah well look and like you know i guess if you thought about plastics as a spectrum it's definitely better than not but Mm -hmm. um yeah we we don't really see that as like a we've tried to, to steer away from that term just because i think you know for us the future of a plastic is not to break down into just smaller bits of plastic it's to be returned to soils and return carbon to soils so um, we can keep them really healthy and you know have a i guess healthy planet i guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah no it's fascinating like yeah because you guys literally i'll say breaks down to nothing not quite it breaks down to carbon and water
0: carbon and water and so yeah it's like biomass essentially so that just yeah just straight back into the soil so yeah that that it's yeah
2: How hard was it to develop these products?
0: Very. (laughs) Um, And it's a shame Jordy's walked out because he's, you know, um, worn the burden of this journey. Um, I mean, we've both been doing it together. But uh, I guess, like, to give you an idea, I think we would have had, you know, like hundreds of iterations of our formula. I mean, you know, when the journey started, we thought, oh, let's make this out of plants. Um, You know, we really quickly learnt about... um, intensive agriculture and the effects of like farming corn and things like that that were really horrible um and so that's when we started to look into um I guess a waste product so it wasn't just being farmed um for use to make into another product and um that journey as like a chapter of the greater journey I think (laughs) would have taken like the last 18 months yeah um but yeah like honestly you know the minute you start having conversations there's um, in in this particular space, everyone's really excited, and it really does feel like a bit of a um, boom. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's really keen to share knowledge, and um, yeah, I think sometimes startups like to sort of keep their IP really close to their chest. Um, but we've taken, I guess, the opposite approach, and has have found that that has allowed us to develop the product a lot faster.
2: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Tell me about because. I think that's one thing which people can hold on to but these well I guess they're they're common collaborations but also uncommon in a sense like startups you guys going and working with Monash University and other kind of industry and commercial and education partners like how did all of that come about?
0: Yeah I mean that came about I think we uh, (laughs) it's a good question actually um luck no (laughs) pardon luck yeah pretty much pretty well no i think we were like we we'd started you know um this research journey and we came across a lot of cornstarch products and we were like we really need some um you know like serious advice on this because i suppose we both had technical backgrounds but not in (laughs) biopolymers so i think we always i guess respected um that knowledge base um, and so yeah I think we we had a friend at, at Monash and just kind of you know had about five or five different conversations and ended up at at um, the team we're working with now um, and we've been yeah, developing that product with them but it is interesting that you ask that because I was actually having a chat to um, a professor he was head of research at I can't remember what uni it was but he was like you know, all these startups come to us and ask them to solve our problems. But what they don't understand is it's literally our job to research new problems. So we we set up all of these research projects and no one ever comes to us and asks us what we're working on and what Could they can Commercialise. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a really interesting perspective because we'd obviously gone to the uni and gone help us (laughs) yeah but it was like a great idea and I was like oh that's really cool like next time well not next time but to anyone who's sort of like struggling to find um I guess their business it's a really good idea to go and find that research department and go like what like what problem have you solved that I can take to the market like there's so much information sitting in these papers that yeah it's interesting because i
2: think there was uh, uh there was a couple of ladies and it like slight tangent but out of csro and they came up with something to do with like i'll say tracking fruit fruit fly um mm. and they were like oh well this has yes it's great to have this sitting in research land but actually the what it can do for farmers and the ag industry and food the whole way along the supply chain is far more valuable so let's spin it off however that works if it's buy it out or whatever it looks like yeah. but that was one of those examples where it sits in research land but actually its real value is out in the world
0: totally i mean a lot of the research papers that we've read to get to where we are were written in like the 70s you know and it's like we've been sitting on this information and no one's kind of dug it up yeah <laughs> um and done anything about it and so you know you think about what we're working on as being such a niche um, well, cling wrap specifically. I mean, not plastic. That's a massive problem. But the amount of possibilities out there is pretty, pretty endless. Which is.
2: And so, so, tell me with your your customers who who is your customer? What do they look like? And are they a business or a consumer?
0: It's a bit of both, and mm-hmm. we're actually in a really unique position where we are talking to everyone from, um, I guess you know, yeah, mums and dads at home to like CEOs of really well-known Australian big businesses around pallet wrap. Um, I think a lot of big businesses have made a lot of I guess commitments to packaging or like reducing plastic packaging um, by certain times and for a lot of them the only remaining plastic product in their supply chain is pallet wrap and I guess we are the only sort of solution that exists. Um, So by virtue of that yeah the the spectrum of people we're talking to is really vast, which is really cool but also really hard because, you know, I mean, often in, I guess, like classic marketing, which I've only recently learned about <laughs> because I had to, it's like, okay, who are you talking to? Um, and you sort of profile that person and it's like, well, there's literally so many different types of people that use this product. So it's, um, it's been a, an interesting one.
2: And in terms of you guys settling on cling wrap and pallet wrap, how did that come about? And how do you guys yeah, stay – or how do you stay focused on those two products without chasing everything else?
0: Great question as well. Um, yeah, so I guess, you know, I sort of mentioned earlier that pallet wrap was the product that I and, and Geordie personally – wanted to exist in our day-to-day so we always knew that was going to be I guess like the biggest impact product Mm -hmm. Um, and we came to market with a pallet wrap first but we really quickly noticed that it's hard to sell just pallet wrap I mean if you think about pallet wrap brands nothing (laughs) sort of springs to mind so we're like okay how do we communicate what we're doing um, to a broader audience and that was through the home product so Um, You know, yeah, everyone has the kitchen, everyone can use this product, they can hold this tech, they can understand and trust that it works in the same way that plastic does. And so off the back of that, we've, you know, gained a lot of like B2B sort of customers from that product. So that worked out really well.
2: So in terms of um, circular economy, which is the space that you guys are working in Mm, and it's mm. a buzzword-ish yeah. at the moment, yeah. but it's it's coming in and it will be a huge trend in the coming years. Yeah. Um, how does your product go from the very beginning to where it sits at the end and kind of like what's the sc- – yeah, actually question before that. What's the scale of sing- the single-use plastic in this either pallet wrap form or um, household cling wrap?
0: Yeah, okay. So um, in Australian landfills every year we're sending – 150,000 tonnes of, um, of stretch wraps to landfill. So if you think about how little cling wrap weighs, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, from an impact perspective, obviously the pallet wrap is like a really exciting product because, you know, we were speaking to one business um, a couple of weeks ago who was saying they use enough pallet wrap each year to circumnavigate the planet ten times. Um, so <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it, you know it's just this huge problem that um, not many people think about.
2: <laughs> and and for you guys, like, have you done the stats? Do you know where you're going to stand if you get? I'm sure you pass one business, but if you get a hundred businesses on this, if you get a thousand, or how do you guys calculate the potential impact that you could have?
0: Yeah, so this is something we're really excited um, to work on. Like, we really want to be able to calculate for each customer, like how much or how many kilometres they've saved out of the landfill. So we're working on that. We're actually like looking, um, if anyone is looking for, we're we're hiring a life cycle engineer at the moment. So we want this to be someone's like full-time job to solve um, for A, like what is our impact? And B, there's like obviously a huge um, education piece around composting and getting all of your products to the right place. So I think – The exciting thing for us or the thing that's really important to us is yeah it's great to make this compostable product um, but we also feel really responsible and accountable for our customers knowing how to to get that to the right place like we still you know don't want it to end up in landfill so um yeah
2: it's nearly like a there's like a, nearly like a school, like an education school oh, that definitely. sits in amongst this, isn't it? It's like, because yeah. here's what we can do for you, but then actually here's what these guys can do for you in that space and here's like, how do you create it so people can actually see the change?
0: Yeah, totally. Like we've actually spoken about, like we'd love to do, I don't know, do you remember the Dolomites Um yeah. yeah, we're like, we'd love to do like something it's the like...
2: the only cool. reason why I'm still with Combank. Exactly. Because I'm like, oh, they...
0: Exactly. Now
2: I've been with them for whatever it is, 28 years or something.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I know. I'm like, we need to do something like Great Kids where we go into schools and like teach kids how to compost. Well,
2: well branded too.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Little Rappers.
0: Oh, wow. Little Rappers. Love that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So I think um, there's definitely something there. And because if you think about it, I mean, with Dolomites, it's like, I think I, that was when i've learnt how to save and like first started thinking about financial literacy and um you know education is really important for the future of i guess the circular economy because there's no point creating all of these products and um behavior staying um in this sort of like fast consumer sort of pattern that we're in so yeah it's definitely something we want to do once we've um got this factory up and running
2: <laughs> well it's interesting because like i had this um I had mike leon Mm. who is um from alpha foods over in the u.s oh yeah and so his job is to work with big food brands to work out what are the trends of like the next five to 25 years yeah but like his whole thing was that he doesn't actually think we need food trends because then they create monocultures which then like as opposed to people saying you just need to eat more nuts in your diet or more fruit it's you need more almonds so then all these almond trees go and get planted or like avocados they become on trend so oh, yeah. the farmers go and plant bucket loads of avocados and then now they're all just getting thrown out because there's an oversupply in the market And it's oh like my
0: gosh have you seen that i was totally sidetracked but have you seen that show rotten on netflix about mm. the almond trend and the bees yeah so it's like the health trend in i think it was in, in almonds yeah out sort of like, california or somewhere yeah so sad
2: Crazy. Tell me a question. just going back to you. So this life cycle engineer, mm. what are the qualifications and who's the person that should be applying for that?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're, I guess, not anti-qualifications. Qualifications are important, but I think it's probably like excitement and passion about um, composting and, and sharing that knowledge with people that's most critical. So um, obviously um, a chemistry background would be amazing um and also someone I guess that's like a people person and is really keen to sort of share their knowledge and um I think is able to translate a really complicated concept into a really digestible way that's probably the most critical um critical skill for the role um yeah I think it'll be a fun job I think it'll be like a lot of everyday sort of different just talking to people about where their waste is going because there's also I guess like there's waste at the end but there's also you know future feedstocks for our product that could come under that sort of bucket as well which is really interesting
2: because at the moment it's made from out of potato waste which kind of blows my mind
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so currently we're importing or like portion of our potato waste is coming from Idaho um so that is based on the fact so I guess like Um, You know, we we manufacture at the moment, but we're sort of heading where our goal is to be totally vertically integrated. So that means we'll be processing, I guess, local potato waste (laughs) um, on site here. Um, The only reason we're not doing that now is because obviously there are um, capital sort of like financial (laughs) limits. You can sort of, it's quite expensive to set up a biorefinery, obviously. So um, that's the next sort of exciting step for us to become fully fully circular
2: and you guys will own that biorefinery or does that look like a cooperative type thing which farmers buy into and own or how does that work for you guys
0: it's interesting i'd actually never that's a great question um yeah it it would be at um telemarine where we are we are now so it's really similar to like i guess like a yogurt factory um yeah so we have had a lot of conversations with potato producers in the melbourne area Um, who currently their waste is going into a paddock or being, um, like, fed to pigs. Uh, So they're really happy to bring their waste to us in exchange for a discounted pallet wrap price. So um, that's kind of how we set it up. So yeah, That
2: works well? Like, you guys are getting the raw materials in but actually making a sale as well out of it?
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, they're already using um, petroleum plastic in their day-to-day. So it actually, I mean... It's a win-win from that for them. I mean, if the product yeah. is made from their products, it's also a really, really cool story for them to tell too. Which is it's genius. <laughs> like you, you get
2: buy-in the whole way along, but people believing because they're going to use the product at the end, but actually going, well, this is made from my potatoes. You get advocates out of your your byproduct. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's huge. That's cool. Yeah. Um I want to ask about like your investors but probably more so from the angle of like mentors. So mm. who have you guys lent on and I know there's kind of one person in particular from who gives a crap who's been um you guys met them met him in a pub as well didn't you?
0: We did. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Common theme coming through here.
0: Common theme. Yeah, no we met we met Simon in Uh, At the Flinders pub for a beer, we were just actually asking for advice. Um, We didn't have the intention of – I think at that point we were really early in the investment piece journey and I think like (laughs) – this is actually Geordie's joke but it's pretty funny. He's like, you know, I used to think stakeholders were just like people who walked around – a party with like a plate of food <laughs> so um we were kind of at that point in the journey um but you know since then Simon has been an amazing amazing mentor I think particularly um in terms of developing that strong team culture which we spoke about I think you know he's done a lot of work with the team there and we really sort of admire that and um yeah we can't do anything without a really strong happy team so he's been amazing in that regard and Always, always able to give really um, well-educated responses, which is awesome. It's, it's really good. I mean, my mentors previously were only sort of in the, I guess, design world. So yep. it's really nice to meet people who are generous with their knowledge when you're doing something completely new.
2: Tell me what other products are there on the horizon for you guys?
0: Mm, oh, that's right. That was the rest of your question. It was how do you not get distracted? <laughs> <laughs>
2: which we both proved that we're really good at.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing with manufacturing. Um, You know, so many people come to us and they say, like, can you make this? Can you make that? Um, To which we go, like, yes, of course we can. Let's start tomorrow. And then I think we've gotten really good at actually regrouping and going, hang on a minute, we've got this extrusion line here, which which can only make so many products. Um, And I think being realistic with that is a a learned skill that we've developed. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're working on – it's actually an exciting. I can show you later. We've got a, a reusable dispenser um, for our home product, which we're about to launch because basically we've had a lot of issues with with dispensing and cutting the wrap. So we've done a lot of work on that front. Um, so that will be like the 2.0 great wrap for home, which is really exciting. Um, and then, you know, beyond, I guess, the wrap space, there's a whole heap of applications of – the formula development that we've done. Um, So I think we're in the midst of sort of having conversations with some sort of big strategic partners around – that, um, which I probably probably shouldn't say too much about. No, we yeah. love
2: doing um, brand <laughs> announcements on this. <laughs> <laughs> what so can you tell us?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah look, come back to me on that. One.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll just reshare something at yeah. some stage. Yeah. yeah
0: cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, because a question I well a question I have and have been asked when I was telling people that I was talking to you guys mm. was around, um, let's say so, organic meat. Businesses they they've really struggled in terms of they tried using bamboo trays to sit mm. their products on but then that didn't have whatever it was leaked too much couldn't hold yeah, moisture yeah. is is there an opportunity like in this for you guys to say like cryovacking things to then go in the freezer can this do that or will it start to break down during that process
0: no definitely def- we can definitely do that I think probably the um biggest restriction which is really not a restriction at all um i guess with the right partner is just having the machinery to manufacture that i guess because we're manufacturing ourselves that Mm -hmm. that machinery we we don't have um but that's really easy but you guys could
2: create a uh out of your product you could create a product for cryovacking. so
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely Mm. um for sure yeah because someone who I reckon will <laughs> probably reach out to you guys after this. Fantastic! <laughs> no, that's great. We love that. It's, it's. I mean, it's it's a lot nicer to have a, again, as we we're saying, before, a real world problem that yeah. you're solving. Like you've got real parameters. It's it's really fun.
2: <laughs> that's cool. I reckon I could keep peppering questions at you, but um, one that I've, well, yeah, one, a question um I've started to introduce is asking guests as they come on the pro, uh, on the podcast too give me a question for a future guest without knowing who it is. And so this one came from a recent podcast I had, and I better get it right now because I didn't quite write it down. But how how do you guys attract young people into your business?
0: Good question.
2: And this came from a bit of context, came from a a sheep farmer from Western Victoria. And we're talking about, yeah, as part of our conversation, how he gets staff the last few years it's become really difficult but he said it's a question you could ask anyone in any business so how do you guys attract young people
0: good question um i think the biggest draw card for us um attracting young people is i mean you sort of alluded to it in your previous questions i think um for young people um in the current world there needs to be a bit of an impact focus and there needs to be like i guess potential for growth um, which I think um, we've probably got in spades like you know we talk about global expansion and um, you know there's like just so many roles that are continuing to grow every day um, and I think uh, you know as a, as a young person it's really important to see um, that your job in the way that it exists today might be totally different tomorrow I think there's something exciting about that so um, I think probably yeah, that'd be my answer for sure. It's a good question though.
2: And I like that answer though in terms of, yeah, giving people the opportunity where they can grow within the business but in a growing business that opportunity might not actually exist. So it's like yeah, how do you actually go, yeah, what what do you think we need or what do you think we could do in the business and how do you create that for yourself?
0: Exactly, yeah, and it's like really collaborative and fun to to do it that way.
2: And so – What's your question that you want me to ask a future guest?
0: Okay. I mean, this is just like specific front of mind. Um, Like, as an Australian business, um, how do you think we should communicate to the rest of the world? Do you think it's like, um, be really, you know, like, how how should we talk about agriculture and food coming from Australia to, I guess, new markets? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's cool. That's it. That's all. I've I feel done. like it could nearly be a social question that we could start to engage.
0: Definitely. The
2: humans of Ag community in on. Yeah. Here's the question from the podcast, and then bounce it off one. the next person. I like that. Well, there you guys have it. That's a heck of a story. I think It's so cool how the two of them met, and just the impact and what's driving. I think so cool to see two late twenties, early thirty year old entrepreneurs that are just. So passionate about making an impact and, and really changing and shaping the world to be better. And I think looking at well, like what they said around that the, everything, every product at some stage in its life is going to be wrapped in pallet wrap, being able to remove that is going to have an incredible impact. And I can't wait to see where these guys go. Head over to our Instagram to have a bit of a look at our chat if you're a bit more of a visual person. Or check out the Great Wrap guys on the Instagram or website, greatwrap.co. You probably picked it up, but these two were just absolutely incredible innovators. And there are a few others that are coming out of the woodworks as part of our Evoke Ag collab. The event is going to be held on the 21st to the 22nd of Feb in 2023 in Adelaide in South Australia. So if you're interested in attending the two-day event, coming across more incredible people like Anna Spear, great rap guys, Olympia Yaga, the innovators across Australia and global. two-day full-scale event check it out at the vogag.com for more details look after yourself stay safe stay sane and keep an eye on our socials because there's plenty happening